The Sangha is invited to come back to our breathing so that our collective energy of mindfulness will bring us together as an organism, going as a river with no more separation. Let the whole Sangha breathe as one body, chant as one body, listen as one body, and transcend the boundaries of a delusive self liberating from the superiority complex the inferiority complex, and the equality complex.
Today is a beautiful day. We have the sun all day long. And tomorrow it will be sunny also and after tomorrow. Beautiful weather for three days in a row. We are very lucky. Good morning, dear Sangha. Uh, today is uh, the 16th of uh, July, 2012, and we are in the full moon meditation hall of the new hamlet Plum Village. This is a happy moment. Last week, uh, the children also learned uh, pebble meditation. Pebble meditation. Each of them has a, a, a little bag with the four pebbles inside. And uh, many of us who are not children, we like to practice pebble meditation also. Because uh, it's very pleasant to practice uh, pebble meditation. When you practice uh, pebble meditation, you become more fresh, more stable, more solid, more calm, more peaceful. And uh, we feel free. And when we are fresh, beautiful, pleasant, calm, solid, we are a happy person. And when we are happy, People around us will profit from our happiness. Have you seen a happy tree? There there are many happy trees around. They are very uh, solid. They are very green. Sometimes they sing with the wind. A healthy, solid, vigorous tree a beautiful tree, although it does not do much, but uh, it makes us very happy. Every time we look at the tree, we feel happy. We want to be as solid, as beautiful like the tree. <coughs> a tree is always there for us. Anytime we want to see the tree, we just go there and we can see you can see the tree. When you love someone, you like to offer him or her something. And this is very natural. You can go to the market and buy something and offer that to him or to her. But sometimes uh, what you buy in the marketplace is not uh, what they need. They may need something else than something you buy from the market. So what you think uh, to be what you what you think uh, to be a gift for him or for her may not be something you buy in the marketplace. You can do it by yourself. Make it by yourself. And you don't have to spend money. So those of us who do not have money, we can very well offer 
something very wonderful, very precious uh, for the person we love. You don't need money in order to offer something. I know a young man of uh, 11. His father is very rich. His father is a businessman. He's very rich. But he does not have time to be with his uh, boy and his wife. He's so busy. He's so busy making money. He has a big business and he has to spend all his time or almost all his time doing his business. That is why he did not have, he does not have time for himself, for his wife and for his uh, little boy. So busy. Well, sometimes he is home, but his body is there, but his mind is not there. His mind is absorbed in business. So the young man was, was very frustrated. He has, he has a father. He, he seems to have a father, but his father is not truly there. Um, Sometimes his body is there, but his um, mind is not there. So busy. So that day, the father remembered that uh, the next day will be the birthday of uh, his son. So uh, he, he said, My dear son, tomorrow will be your birthday, okay? What do you want? I will buy it for you. And you know that uh, he is very rich. He can afford to buy anything for his boy. But uh, the boy did not seem to need anything. He has uh, plenty of uh, things to play with. He doesn't. He did not need anything. So he tried to find what he needed, but he could not find. He does not need uh, stuff to play electronic games. He does not need uh, compute, a computer. He does not need anything. He has everything. So he was thinking of something he needed, but he could not find it. But finally, suddenly he got some enlightenment. He found out what he really needs. What he needs is his father. His father is very seldom with him or with his mother. His father is so busy. So out of that enlightenment, he shouted, Daddy, I know what I need. I need you. And that is a real message. Because the father is, does not have time for his son or daughter. Money cannot replace a father. A toy does not replace a father. The father is not available to the son. So what the son needs is a father and not uh, something else. What can we do in this situation? If the father had come to Plum Ridge one time and spent a a week in Plumless, he would have learned about mindful breathing, mindful walking. And he would uh, stop thinking about his business, 
and begin to breathe in mindfully and bring his mind back to his body and become fully present in the here and the now. And when the father is fully present in the here and the now, he can look into the eyes of his child and say something. He, he may like to say, my boy, my little, my, my darling. Here, I am here for you. This is my gift. Because when you breathe in mindfully, you bring your mind home to your body. You don't think of your business. You don't think of other things. And when mind and body are together, we are truly there. And we have our presence. And we can offer our presence to him or to her, the person we love. So the conclusion is that the most precious thing you can offer to the person you love is your presence, is yourself. Father, I need you. I don't need a toy. I don't need a, a gift. Another gift. I need you. You have time to be with me. I know a German uh, businessman who was so busy that when his son got hospitalized and underwent a surgery, he could not come to be with the son. His son. That's not good. It's not good. Because when you suffer like that, you need the person you love with you. And then when the mother of the son uh, the wife of the German businessman uh, went to the hospital. He could not. He could not be there either. He was a very successful businessman, very rich. So sometime during the night, um, uh, the mother of the the son cried and said, "You don't have time for us. You are so busy." And then the, the businessman said, Well, darling, no one can replace me in business. Everyone relies on me. Nobody can replace me now. Maybe in three years, I will find someone to replace me and I will have more time for you and for our child. And that, that is what he promised. His name is Frederick, very successful businessman in Germany. But before he could find someone to replace him, he got into a car accident and he was killed. He thought that in three years he can find someone to replace him and he would have more time for his wife and child. But he got into an accident and, and died. And you know something? They found someone to replace him just in three days. So even we are successful in, in our business, we don't have much to offer 
to the people we love. So this is very important. So if um, if uh, we want to offer something precious to our beloved one, we should know that our presence is the most precious thing. We, we want to make ourselves available to the person we love. And that is why in Plum Village, we learn the mantra, the first mantra. The first mantra is, Darling, I am here for you. Me. This is my gift. And if I am fresh, if I am solid, stable, if I am calm, peaceful, if I am free, this gift has a lot of value. If I am angry, if I am uh, uh, unstable, the gift is not of big value. But because I know how to practice meditation, I know how to breathe in and out and calm myself and smile. I can restore my freshness. I can restore my beauty. I can restore my peace. And I become the most wonderful gift that I can offer to my beloved one. And I don't need money to do that. I need only some time to make a few steps mindfully and to, to breathe in and out mindfully a few times and I can restore my freshness, my beauty, my peace. And this can be done with Pebble Meditation. So I want you to learn Pebble Meditation. And the first mantra, the first mantra is this, Darling, I am here for you. This is my gift for you. And this is not a statement, a declaration. Because if you are not mindful, concentrated, if your mind is not there with your body, uh, the statement is uh, not true. You have to be really there. And that is why the mantra is a practice. Before you pronounce a mantra, you have to breathe in mindfully so that your mind will go home to your body and suddenly, suddenly you are there in the here and the now. And if you continue to breathe for a few times, you restore your freshness, you smile, you're calm, and you become a beautiful gift. And it does not take a long time. It may take one minute or two. With the practice of mindful breathing, mindful walking, you bring calm and freshness and beauty to your body and to your mind. You are smiling. You are very pleasant, like that beautiful tree outdoor. So the first mantra is, Darling, I'm here for you. But before you pronounce the mantra, make sure that you are fresh. Make sure that you are beauty, beautiful. Make sure that you are calm. And that is the greatest gift to your mom, to your dad, to your brother, your sister, or whoever uh, uh, you love. And you don't have to practice it in uh, Sanskrit, or Pali, or Tibetan. You can practice in English, or in French, or in German. Darling, I am here for you. 
and what you offer is your true presence and your true presence is something you can have with some practice of breathing calming and so and now I would like to offer you a, another mantra which is equally pleasant to practice it can bring a lot of happiness to you and to the other person and it does not take a lot of time maybe half a minute is enough to make your happiness and his happiness her happiness the second mantra but before you, you practice the second mantra you have to be successful in the first mantra you have to be there body and mind together stop the thinking become fresh and calm and when you are fresh calm concentrated you go to the other person and you pronounce the second mantra darling I know you are there alive and I'm so happy because what does it mean to love to love according to the first mantra is to be there for your beloved one can I ask you a question can you love if you are not there no in order to love you have to be there this is very simple it's very important you have to be there you cannot love unless you are there and to be there is a matter of practice if you know how to breathe how to walk mindfully you can be there for yourself and for your beloved one so the question is clear how how can you love if you are not there so to be there is a practice and when you are there you can do something you can recognize the presence the existence of your beloved one here to love means to to recognize the existence the presence of your beloved one and that is why you pronounce these wonderful words darling I know you are there I am here but you are there and that is why I am so happy imagine you are not there you are no longer there I will suffer a lot I will cry a lot but because you are still there and your presence is so precious to me that is why I value your presence I treasure your presence and to love here means to recognize the presence of the beloved one if the other person ignore you does not know that you are there you don't have the impression that you are loved that's right so when you breathe in and out and if you are truly there you can look into the eyes of your beloved one and you say darling I know you are there I'm so happy you are there imagine you are not there you are not there I will cry (coughs) so to love here means to recognize his presence her presence 
and that is the second mantra. <coughs> so according to these uh, two mantras, there's two definitions of love. The first definition of love is to be there for him or for her. The second definition is to recognize his presence or her presence as something very wonderful to you. And that is why we need the second mantra. Darling, I know you are there. And I'm so happy. And you know something? You can practice with your mobile phone. <laughs> you can breathe in and visualize he's there in the office, at home, cooking. And your heart will fill with love and gratitude. And you compose the number. And when the bell rings, <coughs> You know that she is, she, she, she hears the sound of the telephone there. And in Brahmarish we have a kind of meditation called telephone meditation. And I want you to learn. Telephone meditation is wonderful. It can make you happy and the other person happy also. Before you call him or her, you have to breathe in and out, holding the telephone like this, and breathe in and out, and think of that person you are going to talk to. And you can breathe in and out a few times. There is a poem for you to to breathe in and out. And uh, the poem uh, is available in English, French, Vietnamese, and so on. Four lines. <coughs> Breathe in, I, I recite the first line. Words can travel hundreds of miles. And when I breathe out, I say, they can, they can bring a lot of um, love and mutual understanding. If you know how to practice uh, love and speech, and what you say can cultivate more love, mutual understanding. I, want, I know how to use my words. I know how to speak in order to bring happiness and confidence to him or to her. This is uh, the practice of uh, the fourth mindfulness training. Words can travel thousands of miles and they can bring love and mutual understanding. I vow that what I am saying here will be fresh like flowers. I, will, I vow that what I am going to say will be beautiful as embroideries. Tiếng đi ngàn vạn dặm xây dựng tình yêu thương tình thương yêu Mỗi lời là châu ngọc, mỗi lời là gấm theo. Twenty words in Vietnamese. And when we translate into in English, it's more, it's more than twenty words. But please help so that we can reduce the number of words. And we have to memorize the poem. 
before we practice uh, telephone meditation. Words can travel thousands of miles. They can build up love and mutual understanding. I vow that what I say will be beautiful like flowers. I vow, I vow what to say will be beautiful uh, like embroideries. And then you are calm, you are peaceful, and you are qualified to make a phone call. So breathing in and breathing out make you, make you fresh, calm. It's very important if you want to succeed in your conversation. <coughs> and after you compose the number, and you hear the telephone ringing on the other line, you know that your beloved one is practicing mindfulness of listening. Because the sound of telephone is like the sound of the bell. When you hear, you don't answer right away. That is the bell of mindfulness. You practice. I listen, I listen. This wonderful sound brings me back to my true home. So you use the sound of the telephone as the sound of the bell of mindfulness. So for telephone meditation, when the phone rings for the first time, you don't answer. You practice breathing in and out to calm yourself. Because the sound of the telephone may, may disturb you. If you are not a practitioner, the sound of the telephone will cause a kind of vibration in you and worry. Who is calling? Good news or bad news? You are not peaceful. That is why when you hear the telephone ringing for the first time, don't answer yet. Don't run to the telephone. Just stay where you are and enjoy breathing in and out. Breathing in. I listen. I listen. Breathing out. This wonderful sound helped me to calm myself and find my true home. And when the second, you can hear the second when you hear the second sound, you still have the time to practice. If the other person has something very important to tell you, she will be patient enough in order to wait until the third, uh, the third ring to, to hang up. So don't worry. Stay there and practice breathing to calm yourself. And after you have uh, breathing, Breathe in and out two times. Now you can walk peacefully to the phone or take it out, smiling. And you say, hello. And your voice is joyful and calm. And then, and then you who are making the phone, you hear the sound on the other line, on the other end of the line. And you know that the other person is breathing in and breathing out to calm herself. And you say, I have to breathe in and out myself also because she will not answer right away after the first uh, sound because she is practicing phone meditation. So when you, when you hear the, the sound for the first time, you enjoy breathing in and breathing out to calm yourself. And when it sounds for the second time, you still enjoy breathing in and out to calm yourself. Imagine both of you 
on the air, two ends of the line are practicing breathing in and out to calm yourself. This is very beautiful. At two ends of the line, the two friends are breathing in and out mindfully and smiling. How beautiful. Peace is there. Imagine if everyone in Paris practiced like that. Paris will be a very peaceful, happy place for us to live. Imagine in New York City. Everyone practice telephone meditation. It will be a very pleasant city to live in. It's got home uh, telephone meditation. And I'm sure that uh, after having breathed in and out, both of you will have a very wonderful conversation. And you can reconcile. You can bring him or her more hope, more uh, joy, and so on. When I, when I visited uh, India, Uh, to uh, offer some retreats about uh, 15 years ago, I had a chance to talk to um, the judge of the Supreme Court in India, and I offered her the practice of telephone meditation. She loved it, and she promised that she would practice uh, telephone meditation uh, in her office. She was the mother of one of our Dharma teachers, Shankum Seth. If you go to India and visit uh, uh, the place where the Buddha lives, you can contact Shankum. He knows very well about this site, and he can help you to visit this. He's a wonderful Dharma teacher, lay wonderful Dharma teacher. Uh, teaching in uh, India, his wife also a Dharma teacher. <clears throat> so today we have learned many things. <clears throat> First thing is uh, the meaning of love. And we remember to love is to be there for him or for her. <laughs> To love is to recognize the presence of your, your beloved one. Because if you don't recognize his presence, you pay, don't pay attention to his presence, he does not feel that he is loved. And then we have uh, learned also two mantras. The first is, Darling, I am here for you. The second, Darling, I know you are there, and I am so happy. And you have also learned a little bit about Pebble meditation. Uh, practicing Pebble meditation, you can restore your freshness, restore your calm, your freedom, your stability, and your presence will have a value so that your, your gift will be the most wonderful gift. And uh, the Dharma teachers uh, that will, uh, t- uh, I ho- I'm sure that they will show you how to practice uh, Bible meditation. 
Have a good day. Enjoy your practice. When you hear the small bell, you stand up and look at the Sangha and breathe in and you may practice. Dear Sangha, I know you are there and I am so happy. The second mantra. Yesterday we spoke about right view, love register, and also right thinking, right speech, and right action. And we know that uh, right view is a kind of uh, view that is free from the notion of being and non-being, birth and death. <coughs> and this is a uh, the foundation for our action. If we see things correctly, uh, our action will be uh, good action. And action is in terms of uh, thinking, uh, speaking, and acting. And we know that every thought that we produce, every uh, word that we pronounce, everything that we do with our body uh, will have an effect on us and on the world. And that is the kind of energy that will bring about our retribution. In fact, uh, our body and our mind are the retribution of our past action. And if we uh, know how to produce uh, uh, to practice right thinking, right speech, and right action, uh, there will be a change in our body and our mind. And, uh, and uh, our action, our karma, People karma will have an impact on uh, on our body and our mind in the future, and that is called a retribution. Retribution is quả báo. But in Buddhism, in the Buddhist tradition, we we see that uh, the retribution is not only in terms of uh, body and mind. Our body and our mind are, of course, uh, the retribution of our action in the past. But something else is also the the product of our action, and that is the environment. The environment in which we find ourselves is us, and that is the product of our action, of our karma. Suppose he is uh, represent uh, the human being, body and mind. 
that is uh, a retribution. And this uh, is called Chánh uh, Báo, main retribution. Main retribution, your body and mind. But uh, there is a, a very uh, <clears throat> deep connection between the place, the environment where you are, and you. So this is uh, the main retribution, <coughs> and this is uh, the environment uh, retribution, e The support, the ground. This is the ground, the support. And this is uh, uh, the center. So, in the teaching of the Buddha, retribution is not only our mind and the body, but retribution is also our environment. That we, are, we have been living in such a way that uh, we have destroyed our environment. And many species have disappeared, and that is our retribution. We are responsible. We have uh, produced thoughts and speech and action in, in such a way that they have caused the extinction of many species and uh, bring a lot of um, pollution to our environment. We should not think of, uh, uh, of uh, the planet Earth, nature, only in terms of environment. We are our environment. Our environment is us. So you have to be responsible for your mind, your body, and for the environment. The environment is you. When you look at the tree, don't think that the tree is something else than you. The tree is you. So what you produce in terms of uh, thought, speech, and action are energies that can never be destroyed. They continue to bring in uh, retribution. And with the practice of mindfulness, contemplation, generating <coughs> compassion and understanding, you can assure a better retribution in the future. You cannot die. You are like a cloud. You can never die. A cloud can become rain or ice or snow, but the a cloud cannot become nothing. So don't think that when this body disintegrates, you are no longer there. Well, you are. You continue always with your karma, with what you have produced in terms of thought, speech, and action. And uh, what uh, Jean Paul Sartre said is very close. L'homme est la somme de ses actes. Man is the sum of his uh, action, karma. <clears throat> so these three things are a continuation. And
and uh, body, mind, environment will continue in other forms with uh, the energy of uh, action here. And right view, in order how to get the right view. Right view is the result of your, of your practice of meditation, your observation. The scientists, they try their own way to get the right view on the universe. And they have made progresses. And we understand better and better uh, nature. And practice, practitioners of meditation, they have their own way of observing and uh, discovering. And the two traditions, the two disciplines can work together and support each other. We just, we just had one uh, retreat, 21 days with uh, scientists. And he learned that uh, practitioners of meditation can profit from the work of the scientists, and scientists can profit from the practice of uh, and wisdom of uh, the spiritual practitioners. So uh, the Buddhist path is a path of uh, of uh, research also. With the mindfulness concentration, uh, we can we can reach insight, and that is why the. <clears throat> the noble path implies also right concentration. Concentration and right mindfulness. The practice of mindfulness, as we have learned, help to bring mind home to body so that we can be truly there in order to observe, to be aware of what is going on, what is going on in our body, what is going on in our feelings, what is going on in our perceptions, in our mind, and in our environment. So to meditate means to be there, to have the time to be there and look deeply and listen deeply. And it begins by mindfulness. Mindfulness is the energy that you can generate in order to be there and to look deeply. And when you practice mindfulness, concentration is born. And when mindfulness and concentration are powerful enough, you break through and you discover the nature of reality. And when you touch uh, right view, uh, you experience directly uh, uh, right view, and then you release all your delusion, your wrong perceptions. You release your tendency to discriminate to think in terms of dualism. You can see things like suffering and happiness, they inter-are. You can see that 
left and right. They lean on each other in order to be. And everything is not out of everything else. Instead, everything is inside of each other. And there are many interesting discoveries in science that correspond to Buddhist teaching of uh, impermanence, no self, and so on. When a biologist looks into the human body, they see cells, trillions of cells working together in harmony. And the cells know how to communicate each other. And harmony is obtained because of that, that kind of um, uh, communication between the cells. And no cell in our body has the complex of superiority. No cell is playing the role of the president, of the boss. It's a very democratic inside of us. Uh, the neurons in our brain, they communicate with each other's Always, they are in harmony, and no one claims to be the boss to, to give orders. And the neuroscientists have des- described it, uh, has described it, um, have described uh, our brain, the community of neurons, as a kind of um, orchestra, orchestra playing in harmony, and there is no conductor of the orchestra. They don't need a conductor. And uh, biologists and others, they have discovered that the, the truth of no self, there is no self. There is no boss. There is not a single uh, decision maker in our body. There's only a community of cells communicating with each other and producing thought, feelings, decisions. It's very wonderful. Not only science can confirm uh, the truth of impermanence, it confirms the truth of no self. And it also has confirmed the truth of no birth and no death. The first law of thermodynamics is that. Rien de secre, rien de pair. Nothing is uh, born, nothing can die. It's wonderful. So we can work together. And uh, the insight of science can be applied in technology, but scientists should know how to apply their finding into their daily life in order to 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 um, take care of themselves, to handle their suffering, to transform their um, affliction, to be happier, and not just to apply the findings in technology. Human beings suffer. They have a, a feeling of loneliness emptiness inside and they want to they don't they do not have uh, the capacity many of them do not have the capacity to handle the suffering inside 
the, the, the vacuum inside. That is why they need uh, to consume technology. It's not we, we need it so much. It's because uh, we want to cover up the suffering inside. That is why we need uh, these things. We don't really need them a lot. Uh, I think uh, scientists um, should be aware of that and try to apply their findings in such a way that can help increase uh, true happiness and not just to satisfy the need of people to cover up their suffering. Last week we have learned the first eight exercises of mindful breathing. And there are also uh, eight others we have not learned. And many exercises show us how to practice concentration. Concentration, there are many kinds of concentration practice. Like the concentration on impermanence, on non-self, on interbeing, and so on. And this kind of practice of concentration can help make a breakthrough so that we can get right view. And once the right view is there, everything we think will be right. Everything we speak will bring happiness and harmony and so on. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six elements of the eight noble, eight, uh, four noble paths. There are only two more. And that is uh, right uh, livelihood and right uh, diligence. If we have the right view, and then we will, we will be able to, we will be determined to look for a kind of livelihood that will not cause suffering to us and to many living beings. The kind of livelihood that can help protect Mother Earth, the environment, and human lives, and the life of other species. You will not be happy with the kind of livelihood that is destructive, even if you earn a lot of money. And people can be happy, can be truly happy with a small, simple life if they know that they are on the path of right livelihood. Even if your salary is not um, very big, but you can be a very happy people, happy person. Because you know that uh, you are living in such a way that make a future possible for your children and bring a lot of happiness. And it is possible to organize so that we can live in such a way that can bring joy and happiness and hope and brotherhood, sisterhood and peace without having to spend too much, without having to destroy the environment. Uh, in Plum Village, you know, we organize ourselves. 
so that no one of us need a private car. No one of us ha- has a private car. No one of us has a private bank account. No one of us has a personal computer. And yet, joy, happiness, brotherhood, sisterhood is possible. No one of us has a salary. And yet we, we can be happy. We use cars, we use computers, but they all, all of them belong to the community. And there are those of us who do not need a telephone, like myself. I have not used a telephone in the last 40 years. And I survive <laughs> very well. <laughs> when we visited the, the, the political institute in Hanoi, the Ho Chi Minh, Ho Chi Minh Political Institute of Hanoi, we met with uh, uh, many uh, intellectuals in the party. Many of them are very strong on Marxism, Leninism, and so on. They teach communism and Marxism. And uh, we gave, uh, we gave, uh, we offered three uh, uh, presentations about spiritual practice and happiness. And uh, and one day, uh, they look at uh, these. Uh, uh, intellectuals, and they say that in Plumlish, we live in such a way, no one of us has a private bank account, a private car, a private uh, computer. The true communist is us. <laughs> <laughs> And they laugh and laugh and laugh. They did not get angry. They laugh. <laughs> so there are ways in order to organize our lives so that we can consume less. We can preserve our, our planet. You know, eating meat is very destructive. to raise uh, animals for meat, you destroy a lot. You have to cut down so many trees. And you, use, you spend so much um, water. And uh, eating meat is more destructive than driving cars. And that is why to reduce uh, the, the eating of meat and to reduce the consumption of alcohol is a compassionate action to save our environment. 
in primary we don't suffer at all when we do not eat meat, when we do not uh, drink alcohol. In fact, we are very happy because uh, going vegetarian, we can help uh, protect many uh, species and help uh, protect the planet. And vegetarian food can be good answer and healthy answer. So there are many things that we can do to change our habit of eating, of living, in order to make a future possible for our children and their children. And we have to begin right away today. We have to make a decision that will bring us a lot of happiness. We don't have to suffer. In fact, we can be happier. And that is about right livelihood. If you have the time, please write a book or an article on right livelihood in this uh, uh, light, this kind of spirit. And if you are school teachers, you can teach your students about right livelihood. Right diligence is uh, a practice. People think of uh, practicing meditation, you have to suffer. You have to force your body. You have to force your mind. But uh, that is not true. Practicing meditation can bring freedom, lightness, pleasure to your daily life. Suppose you from the parking lot, you go to your office. You can arrange so that you have plenty of time to walk from the parking lot to your office. Using your in-breath and out-breath and your feet, you walk in such a way that every step can be healing, can be releasing the tension, can be nourishing. It is possible to use mindfulness and concentration so that with every step you can touch the wonders of life to make the kingdom of God available with every step. It brings a lot of pleasure and freedom. Walking like that, your mind is not bound to your project, your worry, your fear. Mindfulness of walking brings freedom. Mindfulness of... uh, Breathing brings freedom, freedom from the past, from the future, from your worries, and allow you to touch the wonders of life that are nourishing and healing. And you don't have to spend extra money for that. From your parking lot to your office, enjoy every step. Walk like a Buddha. Walk like a Bodhisattva. Enjoy your body. Enjoy the environment. And when you prepare your breakfast, prepare your breakfast in such a way that joy and brotherhood and love is there along the way. With mindfulness, you turn on the water tape. You see that this water has come from deep down on the earth, in the earth. 
uh, high up from the mountain. He comes just to your kitchen. And that can bring joy. Mindfulness. In the world, there are many places where people have to go 10 kilometers in order to give, fetch some water. And you have fresh water coming to your kitchen, to your bathroom. And mindfulness helps us to, to recognize that uh, condition of happiness. And there is a gata, there is a poem for you to breathe in and out in order to, to be aware that uh, water is there for your happiness. And happiness comes right away. So brushing your teeth, uh, or washing your hands in mindfulness can bring joy. And that is meditation. Meditation is not just to sit uh, uh, with a stiff uh, body. No, it's not like that. When you sit, you feel light and free, like sitting on a lotus flower. And you enjoy sitting. And when you walk, you enjoy walking. And when you cook, you enjoy, enjoy cooking. When you wash your dishes, enjoy washing dishes. It's wonderful. You have the time to do it. You have the soap, you have the warm water. Every condition for you to enjoy washing dishes. I have written a book on washing dishes. The title is Mindful, the, the Miracle of Mindfulness. So happiness and joy is possible in every moment of our daily life. If you know how to allow the energy of mindfulness and concentration to be in you. And that is uh, true diligence. You don't have to suffer with the practice. Right diligence is a very wonderful way to uh, handle suffering and happiness. Suffering is in us and happiness is in us in form of seeds. I have a seed of fear, of anger, of jealousy, of despair in me. I have a seed of uh, compassion, of understanding, of joy, of peace in me. Everyone has positive seeds and negative seeds. And right delusions is what the Buddha taught to help us to handle these negative and positive seeds. The four steps. The first step is to allow the negative seed in you to sleep. You have a a seat of jealousy. You have a seat of anger, of craving in you. Allow them to slip quietly down there, in the bottom of your consciousness. When, when, when you speak about um, Buddhist psychology, you hear about uh, a kind of consciousness is, that is called. Uh, store consciousness. That is the lower part of your consciousness. It has all the seeds, including the seed of anger and fear and love. And the first step is 
do not allow diseases to have a chance to come up. Allow them to slip quietly down there. Never try to water them. Your beloved one has a seat of anger. And if you say something or do something to touch the seat of anger in him or her, your beloved one will suffer and will be um, possessed by the energy of anger. So you don't do that. You don't say that. You don't do that. You allow the seat of anger in him to sleep quietly. And the seat of anger in you, you allow it to, to sleep quietly. Do not water them. And do not allow other people to water the seat of anger in you. So in a good relationship, you have to sign a treaty. <coughs> Darling, you know that I have a seat of anger in me. And if you water the seat of anger in me, I will suffer. And if I suffer, you cannot be happy. So please refrain from saying things or doing things that can touch off the seat of anger in me. That is the first step. And darling, I promise to do the same. I will be careful. I will not water the seat of anger in me. And I will not water the seat of anger in you. You have to sign a treaty not to water the negative seat in self and in the other. <coughs> Do not give them a chance because if they have a chance they will manifest as energy on the upper part of uh, our consciousness. <coughs> Our consciousness has at least two layers. The lower layer is called store consciousness. And the upper layer is called mind consciousness. And all the seats are here, down here. The seat of anger, when touched off, will manifest up here. It's a zone of energy, the energy of anger. So let us not touch the seat in ourselves. Let, let the other person not touch it. Otherwise, it will come up here. And we have uh, to agree with each other on the first point of practice. We don't listen, we don't watch. We don't, uh, we don't do anything that can touch off the seat of anger and fear and craving and jealousy in us. When you drive through the city, when you watch television, there may be publicity that water the seat of, of fear and anger in you or craving in you. So you practice the fifth mindfulness training, mindful consumption. Because what you consume might touch 
the seat of craving, of anger and fear. It's like a magazine and television. There are programs of television, um, articles in magazine that contain so much toxins. Craving, fear, anger. And if you read, you consume, you touch off the negative seed in you. That is why you have to get a good policy of consumption. And you have to sign a treaty with the other person. Let us consume in such a way that the items that you consume will not touch off the seed of craving and fear and anger in us. When we go to the market, we use mindfulness in order to know what to buy and what not to buy. And the second aspect of the practice is that if uh, a negative seed has got a chance to manifest up here, do something, try something to help it go home to the original place as soon as possible. Otherwise, it will continue to cause damage up there. Every time the seed of anger and fear are craving manifest, the landscape of the mind is not beautiful, is not peaceful, and you suffer. That is why you can do something to help the energy of anger, of craving, to go back and sleep again. You do not repress. You do not try to suppress or repress. Because that is not good. So the Buddha proposed the practice of changing, replacing, Uh, uh, he used the example of a uh, carpenter. The carpenter, in order to connect two pieces of wood, uh, they, they, drive, they, they pick a hole and they drive in a pack. A pack. So, so, so the two pieces of wood stay together. And if uh, the pack is rotten, it's not good, you can use uh, a new a new pack and drive in and you take out the old pack and you you put in a new pack that's uh, what they call the changing pack pack changing so so if uh, a negative seed manifests up here we can practice changing the pack we can invite another seed to come up a seed of opposite nature because you have a seed of love and compassion down there. Invite it to come up. And when it comes up, the other will withdraw. You don't have to fight. And uh, we do not use uh, packs now, but uh, we can use a CD. If you don't like the CD, you change the CD. If the music is not good, why? Why do you allow the music to continue? You can change your CD. 
So changing CD is the second, second aspect of the practice. And you can help your beloved one to do the same. You know that she is overwhelmed with her anger or fear. You come and you see like that. And you say something to touch off the seed of joy and happiness in her. And in no time at all, that seed manifests as something positive and the other seed will withdraw. Don't allow her to be under the influence of that uh, negative seed for a long time. No, that's not good for her health. And it's not good for you. So in such a relationship, in a good relationship, not only you have the capacity to change your CD, to have a, a mental formation to go down as a seed, but you can, you can help the other person to do the same. Down here, it is called a seat. The Chinese is a chung tu. And the Sanskrit is a bija. But when it uh, comes up here, it becomes its own energy. It's called a mental formation. In Sanskrit, it's a chitta samskara. So you are a good practitioner. As soon as you notice with mindfulness that a negative seat is in you, and you smile to it, and right away you invite another seat to come up. And when the other cities come up, it can help uh, neutralize this seat, and it can help the other seat to go down. So this store consciousness is uh, like uh, the basement of your house. And this uh, mind consciousness is like the living room. So if you don't like uh, that to be in your living room, bring it down to the, to the basement and have it sleep there. So the first practice is not to give the negative seat in a chance. And if they sleep down here quietly for a long time, they become weaker and weaker and weaker. And if they have a lot of chance to come up down here, they grow and grow and grow. And sometimes you don't invite them, they just push the door and go up. And that is why the first practice is not to give a chance to these negative seeds, the seed of anger and fear and craving and jealousy. The second aspect is to, is, uh, to change, to, to help them to go back as quickly as possible skillfully not suppressing but also replacing <clears throat> the third aspect of diligence is to give the good seeds a chance you have a seat of compassion of understanding 
of love. Why don't you give them plenty of sense? And you agree with your beloved one. Darling, if you love me, please water the good seeds in me. I have a seed of joy, happiness, peace, uh, uh, forgiveness, and uh, compassion in me. If you say something or do something to touch them up, I will be a happy person. And if I am happy, you don't have to suffer. You can profit from my happiness. And you can recognize this good seeds in her or in him. Because she does have these good seeds. And in no time at all, you can, you can touch off these wonderful seeds in your beloved one. It may take only a few minutes to make a person happy. And this is the practice called selective watering. You don't water the negative seed. You only water the good seed. Many years ago, one couple came from Bogdo. And that day, they gave a talk about watering the seed. That, that is a Vesak day, the day of the anniversary of the Buddha. And I noticed that uh, the lady began to cry. And she continued to cry during the Dhamma talk. And after the talk, I went to her husband and said, Well, your flower needs some watering. So after lunch, they drove home. It took uh, one hour to go back to Bordeaux. And in the process of going home, he practiced selective watering. He he recognized her virtues, her talents. And when when they arrived home, she was completely different, very joyful, very happy. And the children were very surprised because in the morning they, they went offline, not like that. She was crying. So the practice of uh, selective watering can bring effect right away, very soon. It does not take a lot of time. Recognize the good seeds in him, in her. Water them. Then you have a happy person in front of you. And the fourth aspect of the practice is that when a good seeds come up, bring a, a positive energy of joy and peace, try to keep them as long as possible up there. Que la joie demeure. May the joy continue. It is possible. A mental formation of joy, of happiness, of compassion coming up. Try to maintain a life there. Don't let it go down right away. Because if you know how to entertain 
them up here, down there, they will grow into an important seed. And every time you need, you just touch slightly and they will offer you the energy of joy and peace and happiness. The same thing is true with the negative seed. If you allow them to manifest often and stay too long here, down here they will grow. So this is uh, the ground. This is the basement. And this practice can be described as the practice of transformation at the base. You make the good seeds growing and you make the bad seeds becoming less important. And this is the meaning of true diligence recommended by the Buddha. And we have the five mindfulness trainings in Plumbilish, which are the very concrete uh, practice of the noble Eightfold Path. To cultivate right view, right thinking, right speech, right action, and so on. So the five mindfulness training, uh, as uh, in its uh, new version, represent the Buddhist uh, path of uh, happiness. The path can lead to the cessation of EOB, the path that can lead to the to 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 the presence of uh, well-being, and that is why it's called a noble path. And when you receive the five mindfulness trainings and try to apply in your daily life, your happiness increase begin to increase. And you are able to protect yourself, protect your family, protect your society, protect your planet. Because the way you live reflects the right view. And bring understanding and compassion to everything you do.